oh, I know what's going on. That's so embarrassing. We have a bumper video that we show before the message, and I'm not used to videos outside, so I thought that was just a glitch in our sound system. That was absolutely supposed to happen. And now I'm super embarrassed, and I don't know if I can go on. You guys have grace for me? Is it okay? Oh, man. It won't be the last time I make a fool of myself today, so we'll move on. We are in the second week. We're in the second week of our series on family. And hey, within the church, we have got to talk about family because nobody else is talking about family. Our culture makes light of the phenomenon of family, whether it's church family or biological family. So we've got to talk about what family is. My wife Erin and I, we are blessed with two children. I will never forget, man, especially, I will never forget when my firstborn daughter Lily was born. I will never forget those two days. I am embarrassed to say, though, the thing that I remember most, the thing that has burned into my mind the most about that several-day period, won the birth. I will never forget that moment. But the second thing that I will never forget about the birth of my daughter is the car ride home. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So at this point, I've been driving for 16 or 17 years. I know how to drive. I consider myself a very good driver. But now... I am holding this tiny, precious, innocent little human in my hands. And suddenly, I don't know how to drive anymore. I, 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 have, to, I have to drive this, thing, this, this person home? How about the car seat, fellow parents? I, not to discount child two, three, four, and five or whatever, but for the first child, that car seat was implanted. It was embedded on my seat so tight. It was the first time and only time I read all the directions to the, to, to the car seat. I tightened that thing. And parents, I know you know what I'm talking about. I tightened that thing so hard. I had my feet up. I was like this. Because the instruction manual says the thing can't move an inch, that thing didn't move an inch. It left an imprint on my seat that will never, ever come out of that car. Oh my gosh, that's what I remember most. Fear is a big part of it. That's, that's, that's not the first time that I would feel afraid when it comes to, to my family or, or my children. The first time our kids get really sick, that's a scary experience. My gosh, the first time they go to school, that's a scary experience. The first time they bring fundraiser forms home, that's a very scary experience. We just started that. Hey, anybody want coupon books? Come see me. We're in competition with every other parent here. That's a scary experience. Hey, and all joking aside, some of us were, were, were raised, some of, some of us were raised in a family experience where there was legit fear, right? And if you were raised in an environment where you actually had to fear, maybe for your own safety when you were growing up, I'm so sorry that you went through that experience. That's what makes this next statement all the more challenging. 
What are we supposed to do with this statement? Fear God. Have you ever heard that statement? We in our faith are supposed to fear the Lord. And it is a very important statement in our faith. It appears about 40 times in Scripture. Fear of God, but what does it mean? I have heard it said that this is one of the most misunderstood statements in all of our faith. I don't think it's misunderstood today. I don't think we understand it at all. And just that word fear is something you and I have to contend with because I suspect if you're like me, there are lots of things all throughout your day that give you the opportunity to be afraid or to worry. But God's Word talks about fear a lot. In fact, that word or its derivatives appear hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times in Scripture So are we supposed to fear or are we not supposed to fear? Because most of the time when that word is used in Scripture, we are told not to fear. So what exactly does it mean to fear the Lord? Let's talk about it. We're going to take a look at a man named Joshua. That's who we are studying all this series. Joshua is the man who led the Israelites into the promised land. Now, the leader who came before Joshua, his name was Moses. His name was Moses. And Moses is the one who famously received God's law, the famous Ten Commandments and the 603 other commands from God. Moses received these. Right after Moses received God's law, here's what Moses tells the Israelite people. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses said, these are the commands, the decrees and laws of the Lord your God that he directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, the holy land. So this is before the Israelites got into the holy land. And God gave me these laws so that you, your children and their children after them may fear the Lord. Your God, as long as you live by keeping His decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. So, Moses is preparing the people to enter in to the promised land. And what he tells them, the advice, his best advice, is teach your children to fear the Lord. Teach your children to fear the Lord. How would they fear the Lord? By keeping His commands, decrees, and laws. That's how we may fear the Lord. So on that note, I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before or if you have heard it explained, but one of the most common ways I have heard to hear this phrase explained is that fear the Lord doesn't mean to be terrified of the Lord, and that's emphatically true. Fearing God doesn't mean to be terrified of God, but fearing God means to respect God. Fearing God means to respect God. I think that's a good word to use. I really do. If we had to pick out one word in the English language to describe what fear of God means, I think respect is a very good one. 
But the really cool thing about this is, is we don't have to pick one English word to describe fear of God because that concept is so much deeper and richer and more beautiful. Let's continue. Let's fast forward a few years. If you know the history of the Old Testament, let me ask you a question. Did the Israelites fear the Lord? Did they teach their children to fear the Lord? Did they respect the Lord? No, they did not. No, they did not. By the end of Joshua's life, by the end of Joshua's life, the people were settled in the promised land, this promised land that God had promised them for 600 years. Can you imagine, if you know the history, everything the Israelites have seen from Abraham to Joshua, 600 years. What have the Israelites seen God do? They've seen the plagues in Egypt. They saw frogs rain from the sky. They saw bodies, plural, of water ripped apart. They saw the walls of Jericho torn down. They saw the sun stand still. Food literally from thin air. Water from the rocks of the ground. That's what they saw God do. Now, the cherry on top, the goal, the treasure was for them to arrive in the land that God had promised them. And they did it. They finally arrived in the promised land all because of God and God's glory. They settled in the promised land in fields they didn't till, settling in cities they did not build. How did the Israelites thank God? They forgot about Him. The Israelites almost immediately, within one generation, one generation, y'all, that's a warning for you and I, forgot about God, and they started worshiping pieces of rock and wood. What trick of human nature would cause them to do that? Friends, it's the same human nature that dwells in us. It's the exact same nature that dwells in us. There's a saying, and this is very, very interesting. Hard times create faithful people. Faithful people create good times. Good times create weak people. Weak people create hard times. Did you follow that? I'll say it one more time. Hard times create faithful people. Faithful people create good times. Good times create weak people. Weak people create hard times. It's the cycle of human nature. It's the cycle of every civilization that has ever existed. I wonder where we are on that cycle, by the way. And it's exactly what the Israelites went through. The good times that they experienced in the land of milk and honey made them spiritually weak. And so a generation after Moses implored the people, teach your children to fear God, here's what Joshua says in his farewell address in Joshua chapter 24. Fear the Lord. And serve him with all faithfulness. Throw it, this could not be more important. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. Throw away the pieces of wood and stone. Serve the Lord. So what does fear 
the Lord mean? It means respecting God, of course. It means serving God. It means worshiping God. Let me talk to the Christian families now. If you are here today and you are not yet a Christian, if you are new with us, I am so glad you are here. Let me talk to the Christian families for just one second. What is the most important thing that we could pass along to our children? If you were put on the spot and asked that question, what's the most important thing that you could pass along to your children, what would it be? I Google searched that. I wanted to have a little fun this week. So I literally Google searched, what is the most important thing we could pass along to our children? Came up with millions of pieces of advice, millions of blogs, because everybody has an opinion on this. I found some really good advice. I found some really, really destructive advice. In my heart, I know there is one correct answer to that question. Only one, and it's objective truth. The most important thing we could pass along to our children is to fear the Lord. Whatever that means, it's the most important thing we could pass along. So so for the rest of our time today, I kind of want to stop using that word because I know that word fear has a certain connotation in our language, and it may be negative, and I don't want to—I don't want to put a stumbling block between you and what God has for you today. So we're going to stop using the word fear, and we're going to start start using those synonymous words like respect, listening to God, serving God, worshiping God, because worship is a synonym for fearing God. Is your home, Christian families, a house of worship? Not, not this church building. I hope it's a house of worship. Not these tents. I hope, this is a, I hope these are tents of worship. But what about your home? Is your home a house of worship? It absolutely is. Everybody's home on the planet is a house of worship. Of something. But our question today is, is our, are our homes a house of worship to God? And how can we make our homes houses of worship to God? Would you describe your house right now today as a house of worship to God? If not, that's okay. Hey, that's why we're here. The first thing we may do is to infuse awe for God. Infuse awe for God for our own sakes and for the sake of our children. By the way, awe is another awesome synonym for fearing the Lord. Psalm 145 says this, and this is absolutely incredible. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. (laughs) They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. God, I will meditate on your wonderful works. And I will pass that along to the next generation. Christians, do we do this? Do we meditate on God's 
miraculous creation on who he is, on what he does. Oh my gosh, I am so desperate to pass along all of God onto my children. I'm so desperate to make sure that I myself am meditating on God's word <laughs> and on his splendor and on all the ridiculous things he does and has created. I, I, I had the, the awesome opportunity to, to go to the beach with my children. We do that every year. And this particular year, every night after dinner, every night after dinner, myself and my five-year-old daughter, Lily, we walk down to the beach to watch the sunset. So, so every night when we were down at the beach, my daughter and I walked down to the beach to watch the sunset. Um, I'll never forget those precious moments. And, and the first night that we were looking at this spectacular sunset, I said, I said, Lily, isn't God so great? I said, Lily, isn't God the best artist? And, and this is no joke. Lily said, yes, God is the best artist. And I am the second best artist. And that's no joke. She said that. I couldn't wait to use that in a message, and here we are. So I think... I'm doing an okay job of infusing awe of God onto my daughter. We've got to work on humility. That's what we've got to work on. But no, Christian parents, are, are we doing that? Are we telling our kids, look at this beautiful sunset that God painted just for us? Look at this incredible flower that God made for us. On those rainy days, are we saying, God, thank you for the rain that helps make the flowers grow? Are we helping our kids see God in everything? And how are we, Christian parents, able to help our kids see God in everything if we have trouble seeing God in everything? <laughs> There's a book called Awe. And in it, the author writes this. I need to remember that the war for the awe of my heart still wages within me. Did you know that there is a battle going on inside your heart for what you consider awesome? We use that word a lot. I use that word a lot. I'll give you an example any car people, would you raise your hand if you're a car person? Have you seen that beautiful next generation baby blue Corvette that's driving around Greensburg? Have you seen that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Do any of you own that car? If you would, would you raise your hand? Matt Claney, you do not own that car. I saw that. You want, it, it's your neighbor? It's your neighbor. What do we want to do with our neighbors? We want to evangelize to our neighbors. Because that neighbor, I don't know who, it, but, but, but that neighbor needs Jesus Christ. And I would love a drive in that car. I really would. Whenever I see that car driving around Greensburg, you know what I do? That's awesome. I say it out loud every time I see that car and cars like it. Sometimes my, and I'm dead serious now, sometimes my children are in my vehicle when I point at that car and say, look at that car, it's awesome. Do you know what I'm teaching my kids? To have awe for cars. I just, I just am, right? 
Sometimes we don't think about what we do and what our kids are observing. I'm going to watch a Steeler game today, like a lot of you. When the Steelers score a touchdown, you know what I'm going to do? Yes! Yes! I'm going to do it instinctually. I'm not even going to think about it. Do you know what I'm teaching my kids when I do that? To have awe for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what I'm teaching my kids. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with either of those two things, necessarily. But am I teaching my children to have awe for God more than the Steelers or more than a baby blue Corvette? Christian parents, we have got to look in the mirror. Christian parents, we have got to look at what we are passing along to our kids. Let's make our households a place where we meditate on God's glory. Let's make our households safe places. Because Christian parents, we have got to instill protection. We have got to instill protections. Our friend Joshua says this, Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Do what with those gods? Throw them out. We're done with them. Don't even let them tempt you. Don't let them in your household. 1,600 years later, the Apostle Paul would say, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Run from it. Sprint away from idolatry. We have to protect our households. The household protection industry, the home security industry is worth $57 billion. When we are talking about our family, nothing is more important than protecting them, right? We spend $57 billion annually to protect our homes. What are we protecting our homes from? Outside threats. How about the threats inside of our household, Christian parents? How about the threats inside of our household, Christian parents? You probably have idols in your house. I know I do, and I've got to get rid of them. You probably have idols inside of your house. You probably know what modern-day idolatry is. We talk about it a lot. Idolatry is anything that takes you away from worshiping God. It's anything that distracts you from worshiping God. An idol is not a carved piece of wood today. An idol is anything that you worship more than you worship God. And so let's get very, very real for a second. I'm going to tackle the low-hanging fruit. I love the Steelers. I love man caves. I love man caves that are decorated with Steelers stuff. I do. I do because I have sports stuff all over my wall, Steelers, Penn State, whatever. But let's get real serious for a second. Christian parents, what are we teaching our kids? The man cave with a shrine to sports might be okay for you. It really might because you might be able to put it in its proper perspective. But parents, what are we teaching our kids? We might be passing along something that we don't intend to pass on. And we do that with everything we say, everything we do, our TV time, our phone time. Parents, we've got to think about what the idols are inside of our own homes. And maybe you're saying, well, let's not get too serious now. No, no, no. Let's get really serious. Because Joshua says, throw the way the idols away. 
throw them away. Paul says, flee from idols. And let's get really serious, and I want to get really serious for our current and our future parents right now. There's been an epidemic going on in our faith and in our country for a very long time, and the epidemic continues. The epidemic is this. When our kids, Christians, when our kids turn 18 and they leave the household, so many of our kids walk away from their faith. And we wonder why that happens. And we can even look at ourselves and our own habits and we say, well, they went to church every Sunday. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I'm talking about our country has seen this for a very long time. We wonder what happened with our kids. They threw away their faith when they left the household. They went to church every week for one hour, for one hour, parents. But, but I wonder what our kids saw when they went home Because the question you and I have to ask ourselves, Christian parents, is, is our household a house of worship to God? Or is it a house of worship to something else? Because if our kids learn about God for one hour a week and we go home and we're worshiping something else for the rest of the hours in the week, They may walk away from their faith when they turn 18 years old because I'm not sure if they've ever had faith. This is not to make anybody feel bad about the past. And parents, it is never too late with your kids, ever. But this is especially for our current parents and this is especially for our future parents. Make your household a house of worship to God. Make sure it is not a house of of worship to some idol. Please, please. Finally, Christian parents, we have got to inspire fear. (laughs) And I use that emphatic language so intentionally because it's so counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive to what most of us have been taught about God. Most of us were raised to think about God as the ultimately kind and gentle and grace-filled God. And that is absolutely what God is. God is also the God who ripped down the walls of Jericho. He is also the God that split the sea in half. And so our God is a God of grace And our God is a God of justice. And our God gives us rules to keep us safe like the best parents do. What does fear of God mean? The wisest man who ever lived wrote this in Proverbs chapter 2. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Solomon was seeking after, fearing God. What was he really seeking after? What comes before the then? Solomon wanted wisdom. Solomon wanted God's good, holy wisdom. And he knew that wisdom started 
with this concept that we are talking about today. Fearing God. What is fear of God? It is respect. It is service. It is worship. It is awe. It is finally trust. Speaking of the Israelites escaping Egypt in Exodus chapter 14. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him. Fearing God is not like fearing anything in this world. It's not like fearing losing our job. It's not like fearing getting hit by a bus. When we fear something in this world, we run away from it. Fear of God is exactly the opposite. When we fear God, we run towards God because we trust Him. And by the way, parents, if we fear God... We don't have to fear anything else. There's a hymn called Amazing Grace. The second verse of Amazing Grace goes something like this. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. The hour I first believed. Parents, let me end with this. If you came, by the way, I watch Aladdin a lot in my household because that's where my kids are. If you came across a genie lamp and you had three wishes to make on behalf of your kids, I suspect that one of those wishes that you would make on behalf of your kids that they would never have to fear anything in their life. Wouldn't that be an incredible thing to pass along to your kids? That they wouldn't have to fear anything? That's not a genie wish. Parents, that's reality. We can teach our children that they don't have to fear or be afraid or worry about anything in their life. It requires only one thing. And frankly, it requires that they fear only one thing, and that is God. But again, parents, that's not some genie wish. It's not going to happen with a click of a finger. It has to be taught. And so we have to worship God. We have to respect God. We have to make our homes houses of worship to God so that our children can learn to respect God and worship God and be in awe of God.